coming up. We live in a community where we trust people. And we're outgoing and friendly, and we've been shattered. For Vault Studios, I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Looking for any information that's going to lead us to Molly, you know, um, and regardless if, um, you know, if if that would be Molly herself, uh, at this point, we still don't know what we have, you know, whether she's alive and well somewhere or whether she's not. These are hard. I mean, we get to know the family. We get to know Molly. Um, We just spoke with the family, and I told him that... uh, They raised a great daughter. I mean, she was a phenomenal individual, and so we are saddened for the family. It it is difficult on the investigators. However, that's what we're paid to do, and we try to do it as best as we possibly can. There's a verdict in the very high-profile murder case of Molly Tibbetts in Iowa. I'm joined by Mario Rossi, digital executive producer at WOI in Des Moines, who's been following this case and the trial closely in recent weeks. Mario, let's go back to 2018 and what happened the last time Molly Tibbetts was ever seen alive. Yeah, this is summer of 2018, uh, July uh, of 2018. Um, Molly Tibbetts is a a 20-year-old woman jogging um, around the town. It's it's her hometown. Um, She lives there. She's known in town. And, you know, she's running uh, one night in July and... That's the last time people see her. Nobody hears from her uh, in the following days. Uh, her friends, her family start trying to connect with each other to see if they know where she's at. Uh, they can't find her. So she's reported as a missing person in July 2018. And for the weeks that follow, you have constant searches, search parties, um, you know, flyers going up around town, being handed out to you know, anyone in the area really um, to try and find her. It's not like her, you know, to not respond to messages or or answer calls. What everybody knows her as is a very kind, very uh, happy individual. And so um, it it stands out, obviously, that she's doing a run that is what she would do a lot um, is kind of run around town and and nobody can, can find her. Nobody knows where she is. And so it's not until... Um, weeks later, um, middle to late August of 2018, when her body is found. And it's not necessarily the result of a big search effort or, um, you know, somebody stumbling upon her. It, it ends up being from what we find in the investigation and at the trial um, that, that a suspect is brought in and questioned and Uh, that person, that suspect, is the one that ultimately leads law enforcement to Molly's body. So, Mario, this was her hometown, right? But she was living with her boyfriend at the time, right? Yes. um, She had had graduated from uh, the the high school in town, which is uh, BGM. It's kind of a few, you know, a couple smaller cities combined into one high school. Um, She was going to college at the University of Iowa, which is uh, just a couple hours away. You know, where, where Brooklyn, Iowa sits is kind of halfway between Des Moines, which is central Iowa uh, and the state's capital, and, uh, you know, Iowa City, where the University of Iowa is. Um, So she's from a small town, but, you know, people even at the University of Iowa knew her because of, you know, her her 
you know, easygoing, uh, you know, personality. She made friends really easily. All right. What was the suspect's name and how did investigators hone in on him? Christian Bahena Rivera, um, who uh, a lot of what the investigation centers on, and it, it's certainly as detailed a trial, is um, trying to kind of backtrack to find who might have been around Molly at, you know, in the area she was last seen, which was running around town. So law enforcement gets uh, security footage from somebody's house in the area. They, they see who is believed to be Molly on this, you know, home camera. Um, and they start narrowing in on a, a black Chevy Malibu, um, which is seen in the area shortly before, you know, the last time, you know, Molly is on the camera. Um, and right before any, everybody else kind of says, it was the last time we saw her. So they see, you know, this car on the camera. Um, they see it driving around town. And so that vehicle, you know, and, and Bahena Rivera being identified as the owner of that vehicle becomes a big priority for law enforcement. Um, so right around, you know, August of 2018, law enforcement has the, ve the vehicle identified you know, they know it now belongs to Bahena Rivera, and that's when they finally go um, and search uh, that car in August of 2018 uh, at his workplace, which is a, a farm um, nearby uh, the town of Brooklyn. We have some breaking news to report out of central Iowa right now as investigators say they believe they found the body of Molly Tibbetts. The vice president of Crime Stoppers of Central Iowa says a body found today is believed to be that of the University of Iowa student. Community members in Molly's hometown of Brooklyn call today's news heartbreaking. We're all just in a state of shock and wanting to grieve with the family and wish them the best and hope the Lord will take him through this. I just hope that in the rest of my life I never experience such a thing. Never. My heart goes out to them all. Hopefully things can get back to being a little bit more normal. I know it's never going to be the same. Because this is not something that's supposed to happen in the middle of Iowa. The man who allegedly abducted her and killed her led investigators to her body this morning. He is in jail tonight. The suspect's name is Christian Rivera. Police say he's an illegal alien who's been living in Powershee County for several years. Police use security cameras that allegedly have Rivera driving a car alongside Molly while she was running. Rivera allegedly got out of the car and started following her. That's when he abducted her, putting her in his trunk and dumping her body in a cornfield in Powershee County. Mario, what did we learn over time about the manner of her death and how she was targeted? We know that uh, based on both what they said at the time of finding her body and um, from trial that she was stabbed to death. Um, her body is found in this, you know, in a cornfield, um, just really off the beaten path of where anybody would maybe look, um, you know, in the middle of a cornfield. Um, so to identify, you know, that she was stabbed to death and at trial, they kind of detail that uh, it was it was multiple injuries um, that, that caused her death. So since her murder, has it just been going through the court system prior to the trial this year? Yeah. So, you know, uh, Bahana Rivera was um, arrested in August 2018. Um, some of his initial court appearances were in Powashi County. 
um, which is obviously where Brooklyn, the town, is. Um, it eventually, the trial gets moved first to uh, a county in the western part of the state um, before ultimately being moved a second time to the eastern part of the state. Um, you know, and, and the court filings and with the judge's ruling, it was um, partly because there was a lot of coverage of the case in the news media. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to, um, you know, having a fair and impartial trial in, you know, the area in the county where Molly was most known um, was going to be incredibly difficult. You know, these are certainly um, a lot of people that knew her, went to high school with her, maybe knew her family. Um, so moving the trial wasn't necessarily uh, unusual. Um because it was just going to be, you know, nearly impossible to get people in that county that could have maybe been without bias, even if they just kind of knew her uh, secondhand. It's been nearly three years since University of Iowa student Molly Tibbetts was killed while out on a jog. Today, the trial begins for her accused killer, Christian Rivera. This case made national headlines back in 2018 and sparked a political debate when the immigration status of Rivera, a Mexican national, came into question. Now, interpreters will help him throughout this trial. Nearly all the jurors pooled, though, are white and speak fluent. English. Mario, you covered this trial closely. He pled not guilty, but did the defense call witnesses or have some explanation for the uh, evidence against him? Correct. He had pleaded not guilty, which is you know pretty common in these in these trials. Um, a lot of the defense's um, strategy and arguments were. Um, you know, based upon who people said that Bahena Rivera was. Um, so we heard from, uh, you know, a relative of him, uh, the mother of his child about who he was, um, his coming to the United States from Mexico and, and being um, sort of a low profile, keep to himself sort of person um, with the ultimate goal being that this was going to be out of his character. This wouldn't make sense um, when, when we hear about who he was. Um, Bahena Rivera did testify himself at trial, um, which is something that defendants can choose to do. Um, and so his testimony was certainly notable because he offered uh, a version of events that we hadn't heard before. And what was his version of events. So when Bahena Rivera takes the stand, and this was uh, towards the end of the trial, um, he testifies that he was in his trailer, um, which was located on his work site on the farm, uh, and two masked men come into that trailer, um, threaten him uh, with weapons, um, you know, to drive back to the town and essentially trail uh, Molly Tibbetts as she's running. Um, he's driving the car then when, you know, he testifies that the men got out. He himself hears something loaded into the trunk of the car, which, you know, at that point would have been uh, Molly's body. They then tell him to drive um, to the point where he is now in the, you know, in the rural area with the cornfield. Um, and he himself gets out, uh, puts her body then in that area. And the other two men are then not seen or heard from. So that's his testimony that we hear from, which is the first kind of version of that uh, that we had heard up into that point. Mario, any other details from police about how she was murdered or evidence uh, against the defendant? You know, the police testimony and the state made a lot of their um, case based on 
an initial interview they had with him back in August of 2018. Um, they had gone to the farm where he worked to ask to search the vehicle, um, the, the black Chevy Malibu. You know, they find um, some of Molly's blood um, on uh, the in the trunk of the car or kind of on the outer part where the latch sort of is. So after they do that initial search is when they bring Bahena Rivera in um, to talk. You know, what do you know? You know, can you tell us anything about her? You know, and it's not until a few hours into this interview where um, – Bahena Rivera speaking to an officer um, who is speaking in Spanish tells them that he followed her, um, he was around her in the vehicle, he blacks out, and when he comes to, you know, her body is in the trunk and he's putting her in the cornfield. So it's a it's a big contrast between what they have in this police interview in August 2018. And what he says on the stand, you know, in, in May 2021. How long did the jury deliberate and what came of their decision? Jury deliberated for about seven and a half hours. Um, they started on a Thursday afternoon, deliberated for a few hours. And then it was right after the lunch break Friday that the, the, the guilty verdict was delivered. Christian Bahena Rivera convicted of killing 20-year-old Molly Tibbetts in July 2018. Attorneys for the state as well as for Bahena Rivera reacting to the verdict just moments after it was read. They got fortunate with this video, but a lot of times in cases like this, that's what it takes. And it, it's not that they're lucky, they're persistent. They do their jobs well. And, um, you know, they should be applauded for for getting us to this, this spot. The very first day we met Mr. Behena, the story he uh, put forth on the stand uh, was exactly the version of the events he told us going back to August 2018. He had never varied from that version of the events, not one not one detail. This case is expected to be appealed. The next step in the sentencing process is now scheduled for mid-July. I don't know how to feel. I, we don't get Molly back, but um, Molly got justice. The family got justice. That was the number one thing, justice for Molly. Mario, talk to us about the reaction in the community and from her family. Her family that I've seen hasn't spoken publicly since the verdict. Um, you know, we talked with people in the in Brooklyn, her hometown, um, and just hoping to get that sense of closure that, um, you know, really hadn't come um, since she went missing. Um, and we know a lot of people across the state, um, notable figures, and, and our governor even just, um, they were waiting to hear what came of this case, and uh, they they have they seem to have gotten some closure from, um, from the verdict itself. So before I let you go, let's talk about why this case has gotten so much attention locally and nationally. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think who Molly was as a person, you know, the state's big elements were the fact that there was, you know, that car um, seen on the the home surveillance footage, that car belonged to Bahena Rivera, and that, you know, Molly's blood was found in the trunk, along with his, you know, confession during that police interview. So it never really came out in terms of it happened at this specific point. She died at this specific point with this specific, you know, uh, weapon or item. Um, it was based a lot on that uh, initial interview with Bahena Rivera 
um, along with the state would say him knowing where the body was, you know, him providing the information that law enforcement didn't have. Um, you know, they did not know where her body was, right? They were still searching in August of 2018. It wasn't until Bahena Rivera talks to them that they know her location, which is more or less the state's, you know, closing argument that the only person that would have known all of these details would be the person that killed Molly. Um, and so there was certainly a lot of, of talking points revolving that. Legally speaking, you know, his you know, status um, in the United States didn't necessarily play as big of a factor, right? The state has to prove that an act was committed, um, not necessarily you know, the status or lack of status that somebody has. So um, it certainly gained notoriety and, and a lot of um, publicity from maybe his uh, immigration status. But in terms of at trial, it, it wasn't the focus. It wasn't necessarily the, the, the huge point that um, the prosecution relied on. Thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We're here every weekday, Monday through Friday, with new episodes. Be sure to let your friends and family know about The Daily Crime. We'll see you next time for Vault Studios. Will Johnson.